glass, ice, pour. Hello, friends, and welcome to Whiskey and Rye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you're a regular listener to the show, welcome back. Super happy to have you here. If you're new to the show, uh, what you can expect from us is we are a show where we talk with real people, and we hear real stories about people who've been through some real shit. Uh, and uh, today, we're going to be hearing from a good friend of mine, someone who has an amazing story, my good buddy, Nick Warnes. So, Nick, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, Ryan. appreciate it. Today, we're going to talk about something uh, that you went through that I think is really uh, an interesting thing that not a lot of guys, I think, get a chance to talk to, and that's the IVF, the in vitro fertilization process. So we're going to have a chance today to hear your story and hear uh, what it was like for you to go through this process. Uh, and I'm really excited about that because uh, this isn't something that I'm very familiar with. Uh, and, and again, I think there's, uh, there's an opportunity to uh, just share a story from someone who's been through this and, and, uh, and to hear your side of it. So thank you so much for, for being here and, and for joining me uh, to, to have this conversation. Um, to kick us off, I, I would kind of just love to just hear from you, you know, what were some of the uh, early conversations uh, like for you, you know, once you've kind of made that decision, you and your wife, Whitney, you'd made a decision that you wanted to per, uh, move forward with, with a, what do you call it, an alternative uh, method to uh, to um, fertilization. You folks chose IVF. So you make the decision, you know, um, what, what were some of those conversations like kind of leading up to that and then kind of moving, moving forward? Um, what were those like for you? Yeah. I mean, I guess there's a story before the story of IVF. I mean, the, the oh, story yeah. was is that we had discerned that we wanted to be parents and we didn't think that. Oh lightly. yeah. That's, that's a very important story. Yeah. That's a very important story. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people that I grew up around and the culture I grew up in, it was just assumed that uh, you'd get married and you'd have a kid mm -hmm. and uh, th that's not something that we wanted just to assume it was like it was quite a process to determine whether or not we wanted to have uh, any kids at all and through you know lots of conversations with many different humans uh, we uh, did discern that we wanted to have a kid so um, we started about it, you know, the, the good old fashioned way. Right. And, and that went for, I don't know, probably a year or two and nothing was happening. So uh, that's when we had to, you know, kind of make the decision whether or not to press into fertility kind of treatments. Mm -hmm. So uh, we pressed in, we started working with some doctors um, and we wanted to actually avoid IVF uh, on, the, on, the, on the front end of this because the doctors thought we could get pregnant um, without doing IVF. So they do this thing where they give you a, a bunch of shots. You actually bring the shots home and I would administer a shot um, basically in my wife's kind of in, in her like butt or like kind of thigh area, uh, depending on where it needed to be. And then uh, you go to the doctor like every other day. You were physically doing the shot though. You were you were giving yeah. her the shot. Wow. Yeah, it was my, I figured she had to go through enough. The least I could do yeah. is prepare the shot. So you're going to prepare the shot right there. Wow. Every night. Yeah. Wow. So I did that every day, and then you have to go to the doctor like once every two or three days, and they get on that machine. What's it called? The where they look in your innards. 
um nor, it's like when you, it's like the, when you see when you have a baby they you know yeah put the like the ul- thing. yeah like the ultrasound type Ul- thing ultrasound yeah. yeah 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 that thing yeah thank you um that term so i know they used, yeah right they, they did the ultrasound thing on whitney's ovaries and they kind of you could watch where the eggs are growing on her ovaries and they would measure them every day and then once they got to a certain measurement then you give a final shot and it releases an egg or two and then you do this thing called insemination where they put my sperm in whitney and then you wait like seven days and go do a pregnancy test and see how that goes wow so we we did that um once and then we did that twice and three times and four times and uh, i think by the seventh time we did that um we we got pregnant um saw the heartbeat on the baby on the ultrasound went back to the second one and just the you know the worst moment in life where yeah. you get on that ultrasound machine and uh, we lost we lost that first baby so that was oh, really man. disappointing uh, and just that moment which I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about more later that moment where you're so excited you're pregnant you know and mm-hmm. uh, you go to that machine and you can tell what's going on you yeah. can see it they're looking like crazy for a heartbeat and you've seen the heartbeat before and there's just nothing going on. So that was, you know, that, that moment was, you know, top five worst moment of my life. Sure. Um, lo- sure. Losing, losing that baby. Um, and then my wife had to have a surgery to remove that baby, um, which also is no fun. But the good news on that is that um, your body, once you, like we learned we could get pregnant, which is a big step. And also your body produces some hormones uh, that make it more likely for you to get pregnant on your next cycle Mm. uh, when that happens. So we did it again the next month and we got pregnant and then we lost that baby as well. So Um, two back to back. Wow. Two back to back. It was rough. The second one was really early. So we never saw a heartbeat on it, which actually made quite a difference Mm -hmm. um, in, in our life. And, um, it was, it's, yeah, that the moment in the room with losing the heartbeat is, is quite tragic. So this one was a little easier, but still the back-to-back nature of it was really tough. Yeah. So we regrouped and um, thought, okay, do we want to move to IVF or not? And the doctor still thought we could get pregnant with these shots and uh, avoid, a lot of it, you know, is economic. It's so expensive mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. IVF. So uh, we did more rounds of shots um, and more rounds of shots. And then on the, we did it, I think we did it 13 times, 13 oh different r- rounds. And so and how many third, shots is that per time? You do a shot every day over the course of whatever, three weeks. Wow. So Whitney's also pumping shots. all, Whitney's also pumping all this stuff into her body. Right. And we're like, that's, you know, concerning to us long-term. Right. And then on the 13th round, um, we were really close to, having the moment where you put in that shot to release the eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, but Whitney's body was responding with tons of fluid. Um, so much so that it, it put her down in bed. And uh, we learned later that she probably should have been hospitalized on this. Um, but at, at that point we were like, okay, we're done. We're done with, with these rounds of shots. 13 rounds is enough. We're concerned for her, her body long-term what these shots have done. Uh, we're two for 13 on getting pregnant, lost both pregnancies. So it's time to, to try a different route. 
Yeah. And I mean, I just, I hear the different emotions you experienced during that time, the, the excitement of experiencing positivity, the, well, I guess even before that, the anticipation, you know, of, of, of getting that positive test and then the excitement of getting that positive test and then the further excitement of things. And then, and then, you know, the sudden crash, you know, um, how did you all find that you could remain hopeful during those, you know, multiple times where you're, where you're going back at it? How did you find hope in those times? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's, it's foggy, you know, those are foggy moments. Uh, those are foggy seasons in my life, um, to this day. But even in those moments we're saying, we don't, we don't know what to do. Um, and everything, life was just all kind of off. Yeah. Um, things, things weren't as we wanted them to be. Um, but you know, there's some, you know, some hopeful stories in it that did pull us along. I remember I was meeting with my mentor. His name was Craig Williams and, uh, Craig talked about how uh, he was going to believe for us. And we flushed that out a little more when he said that. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, I just know that when you're in the midst of this kind of stuff, that it's, it's really hard to believe for yourself. Yeah. And oftentimes it's easier for others to believe for you. And uh, I really welcome that in my life. And I still like I think that kind of wisdom. I still share with a lot of the people that we get to work with and just in our vocational lives. Um, so yeah, it was, it was quite hard to believe. It was quite hard to be hopeful. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty incredible how the community around us, uh, we invited them to believe for us because of our own struggle to believe in this. And, and they did, you know, they came through on, on so many different levels um, that uh, gave Whitney and I a, a foundation of hope to be able to, I don't know, gather the energy needed to keep going through this stuff. Yeah. I, I think you're so, you're pointing on something that I think a lot of people who go through a process like this don't um, have the ability to acknowledge. And that's, that's the struggle that you folks have to deal with when dealing with other people's disappointments when you're telling them you know the updates right because people want to know hey what's going on you know how are this and you all have to find the ability to 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 tell them you know and i think that's a really uh important part of 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 what this story is in in community and how important community is um for for this type of situation because you're just going to need those times where you just don't have it. You don't have the words, you don't have the strength. Um, and so there's going to be people that you just need that need to just understand that. And, and, uh, and so I think that's a really important point that you, that you brought up is that it's very difficult to not only experience these losses yourself, but then experiencing those losses in your community. So having people to just say, Hey, you know, we will hold this for you and we'll believe for you on those days that you don't believe. I think that's, that's, that's really, really beautiful. Yeah. Those phone calls, I remember making them, people were so excited for us that we got pregnant. And I know people have like different perspectives on when to share that you're pregnant with, you know, different layers of people. But certainly we let our closest core people know that we were pregnant. Sure. And then when I had the, opportunity quote unquote opportunity like, like from when the I office to, when i right when i had to call them and let them know uh that we had lost the baby that was really hard because i knew they were i was going to be disappointing them 
So, you know, that gets after like my Enneagram three kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. I want to make people happy and I want to achieve things, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was hard um, to tell people, but yeah, again, the responses, anything from, um, you know, we did a small little ritual, uh, for a funeral for these babies to, um, meals that were, um, shipped to us. I mean, there is, uh, uh, what do you call the people who help women have babies? Doulas. What are they called? Doulas. Yeah. We had a, a friend who was a doula who just sat with us and grieved with us. Mm. Yeah. Really, really special memories there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, it's again, the tragedy of losing a life, especially when you're trying so hard to bring one in, is is devastating. Um, but the the small bits of hope are when you can find those people that you can that you can grab onto and that can can really carry you through it. And um, as a man, I'm sure though it's probably difficult though to find other guys and other men to to kind of share this and, and be vulnerable with. So how in, in those moments where you were kind of feeling the most vulnerable, um, you know, what were some of the things that you did to make sure that you were, you know, processing those emotions for yourself as, as the man, so you could, you know, be good for yourself, but then also be good for, for Whitney and everybody else too. Yeah. So I have a, I have a best friend. Uh, his name is Justin. And uh, we prioritize trying to play a cribbage game at least once a week. Oh, nice! So we are we are old men in that way, where we love to sit old around, and drink, <laughs> drink whiskey, and play cribbage. But really, at the heart of that cribbage game uh, isn't the, uh, the the smack talking and the inherent gambling that we do, as we do that together. But it's to check in with each other. So those, yeah, those cribbage games were uh, were filled with all sorts of conversations that were helpful. Um, to me, uh, even, you know, anything from, uh, Justin, just listening and not saying anything all the way to him helping me kind of strategize my way through this thing. Uh, I remember in conversation, <clears throat> we ended up landing on a frame that was really helpful long-term in the in vitro process. And that's imagining ourselves 30 years from now, looking back on our current social location and, um, saying, imagining what kind of people that we want to be in this difficult moment. Yeah. So we knew, you know, 30 years from now, uh, we wanted to be people that were present in the moment. We wanted to lament well, uh, but we also wanted to maintain a sense of, of joy and hope. Uh, we wanted to be people who were open with our lives and you know, not everyone wants to do that with fertility problems. Mm-hmm. And I fully understand that, but I, I like, uh, being more vulnerable publicly oftentimes than, uh, than other folks, uh, my wife as well. So yeah, that was a really helpful exercise. Uh, what kind of people do we want to be right now so that we can say we were true to ourselves 30 years from now? Yeah, that's something that uh, that you shared that st- story with me um, just in personal conversation. And that question is something that I've I've that stayed with me personally for since you've told me that story. And I think that if, if you're listening, you know, maybe jot that down, if you're going through a hard time, or you feel like you're going to endure a hard time, um, you know, who do you want to be at the end of this hard time? Um, And and who do you want to be during it? Um, I think that's uh, also maybe a good follow up question, if you want to start thinking about who you want to be now, because I think the the hard work for who you want to be um, you know, if you're not going through something, if you're just kind of like going through day to day and you're living your life, I think it's that 
choosing to be a good person. It's like leg day. You know what I mean? You make that right choice to be someone who's compassionate, to be someone who is generous, to be someone who is empathetic. Um, you know, uh, when you make those choices, when things are sort of normal and in life isn't kind of falling down around you, I think you can naturally sort of fall into those roles when you do find that you need to be, you're called upon to be more compassionate or be more empathetic or, or, or whatever that looks like. Um, so I do want to talk a little bit about, you know, you've, you moved out of that, the, the process of the shots. So you moved into the, in, out of the shots. You've tried one thing. A lot of people probably would have given up at that point and just maybe felt like, you know what, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think we should, we should move forward. So you all decided, no, we want to try something else. So, so what was, what were, what were kind of like those inter intermediate conversations like, and then, you know, kind of moving into then trying the, the IVF procedure. Cause that's really, I mean, that's really intense. Uh, that's a really big decision. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, a common misnomer I think that people make. So for your listeners, um, please never do this. Um, people would say to us, well, why don't you just adopt the baby? And, um, for people going through infertility, that's a really challenging question. Yeah. Um, and for, for me, um, from my perspective and from my wife's perspective, that's a fully different um, calling. That's a different level of discernment. And uh, yeah. as we had discerned that, we, we didn't feel any sense of or hunch uh, or call to do any sort of uh, adoption. So we had to work through that. Um, and I was grateful for the clarity there um, for Whitney and I and our family. And then uh, we said to go for it. Um, basically, our framework is that Whitney, uh, this is Whitney's body. Mm -hmm. And, um, certainly I'm, I'm her husband. Um, but my center for better or worse was whatever Whitney wants to do. I am there with her and supporting her along the way. Did she want to talk about the decisions? Obviously. Did we pray about stuff? Obviously. Did we ask friends and family about stuff? Yes, obviously we did all that kind of stuff. Um, but at the heart of it, I wanted to do what Whitney wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So uh, in the end, Whitney said, okay, yeah, it's time. Let's, let's do in vitro. So um, we went about the in vitro process. Um, so I don't know if you want to get into like details on how that works and what happens there. Uh, no, not so much. Cause that it's pretty technical. Um, and I, you know, I don't necessarily want to go through that, but more so just, um, you know, what were, what were just like, you know, you're, you're going through, you're going through the process. Um, it's very difficult. Um, you know, how did you, you know, kind of that same sort of thing. How'd you hold on to hope through the process? What were some of the highs and the lows? Um, how did you, you know, what was communication like between you and Whitney when you're just buckled down? Cause it's, I, you know, if pe people who are going through IVF, they know it's very difficult and they know that there's a lot of things that go through it. So, you know, what were more of those conversations like between you and her? And then, you know, and then also just from your perspective, what were your kind of your internal conversations as you were kind of going through some of those hard things day to day? That sounds more existentially thrilling than talking about the science of IVF. Yeah, so. exactly. I think, <laughs> yeah, this, this conversation could very easily go into the science of it all. And like, I'm really right. interested in all that stuff, but I would have wanted to like do more research and like, you know, do all sure. that stuff. I'm more so interested yeah. in, in what you, your experience and yeah. kind of like your thing for it. Cause I think that's what people who are going through it themselves are going to be like, Oh shit, man, I feel that way. So I'm picking back up that 13th round of shots where everything went bad. Uh, Whitney's body almost exploded with water. Um, we said, we're done. We're done yeah. for a while. 
And that was actually a really healing moment and a good decision for us. Uh, we set a timeline. We said, okay, if we're not pregnant through these shots by X day, I forget what it was. It was like November. But if we're not, if we're not, if it's not working by then, we're done and we're going to take a breather. Um, and we held to that. So we were done. We took a breather. I took uh, six months yeah. and didn't think about babies, didn't think about fertility. We worked on our jobs. We took trips together. Um, something we did actually was we bought a cabin. Mm. So we've been saving money um, for a baby and there's no baby. And Whitney is like, forget, screw it. Like, whatever. Like, let's, let's buy a cabin. So we've got this little cabin in the mountains up above San Bernardino. Um, and that was a really healing thing we did in that time. Uh, and eventually, um, Whitney landed on, no, I'm, I'm ready. I want to do in vitro uh, fertilization. So we interviewed a, a bunch of doctors. Um, there's a lot of in vitro doctors that are real shady and kind of gross. Really? Um, kind of sleazy business mm. humans. There's a lot of money in this. Um, so we eventually um, landed with a guy named Jeff Nelson out of Pasadena, California. And it was, I remember when we met with him, like just getting weepy because we walked into his office, we shook his hand and he was like a normal dude. Mm. Like he wasn't rolling out of his in vitro office with his slicked back hair and a convertible Porsche kind of a situation. Mm. He didn't feel like LA sleazy at all. Like he just, he was like a normal dude who uh, was compassionate with us and uh, was empathetic toward Whitney that first meeting we had with him um, she was really really tearful and uh, what he said was hey we need you to up your strength um, before we do this so let's take a couple months uh, let's get everyone eating right exercising upping wow. your em emotional stability um, come back and visit me in two months so we did all that uh, we, we, we felt stronger. We did a bunch of coaching, mentoring stuff in that time as well. Did you guys do this together or separately or a little bit of both? Both. Yeah. Wow. That's great. And then, uh, yeah, went back and decided to go for it. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, uh, it's a similar process. You would take shots and then, uh, Whitney is diagnosed with PC, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm. So she's actually an ideal human, um, for, in vitro um, because she produces so many eggs so yeah i mean not a lot different than those first 13 rounds uh, we did shots uh, and produced uh, literally she produced 32 eggs that they then you do the final shot kicked them all out they caught all the eggs and of those 32 um, there were eight that were viable so we had um, five boys and three girls and um, yeah, you, then you had to wait you know, another month or two, mm -hmm. um, go through another series of meds and preparation. And then, you know, the easiest thing is just go in and it's kind of weird. Like a, a doctor <laughs> makes your wife pregnant right in front of you. <laughs> so uh, we decided like, to put in. Am I being cuckolded right now? <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, there's many jokes. I'm not sure how uh, how uh, R-rated this podcast is. Oh, it's oh, X-rated, yeah. man. It's, it's X-rated. Okay, yeah, good. That's you, good there's, there's jokes. You can make any kind of jokes. All right. Well, I'll, I'll start to cut a little more loose then. Yeah. Um, yep. But I remember there was a moment that was pretty funny. Um, they uh, 
they bring pictures of your embryo to you before they um, before they put the embryo in the uterus. And we want we decided we wanted to put in two boys. So uh, the doctor what a dick comes move, in. man. Why did you do that to your poor this wife? Is, <laughs> or did she is, want that? Whi- did she say two boys? Whitney, Whitney said two boys. Okay, is, okay. I take it back. I take it back. It's always it's what Whitney wants. So uh, they they brought pictures and they said, "Here's a picture of your little boy, and here's a picture of your little girl." And we're like, "What are you talking about? We wanted two boys." And you know that scared the crap out of our doctor. And he ran back to the lab, and they had made a mistake. They did give us two boys. Oh my gosh. But in the meantime, we were, we were in those you know first couple of weeks of of her getting pregnant. We were like, "There's a certain percentage chance that there is one yeah. boy and one girl in there." Yeah, yeah. There's like a twenty five percent chance that they told you like, "Oh no, no, it's just fine. It's it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It's fine." Yeah. Totally. But like they're like, totally. Shh, "Don't tell." Them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um. So yeah, we we popped them in. Um. We did a test. We found out when he was pregnant. Uh, we learned that by this point, uh, we don't get too excited when Whitney's pregnant because um, we know there's yeah. a long journey ahead. So mm-hmm. we learned to hold it loosely, held it loosely, went to the first appointment. And it was kind of fun, the first appointment, because we knew Whitney was pregnant, but we didn't know if it was going to be one or two. Right, right. And so we go. What's we get the probability that... of two? Do you do you know? I, I You know, I kind of do. Let's see if I can remember. Um, there's a chance... When you put in two, there's a 60% chance that one baby will come out. Okay. And there's a 40% chance that they'll be twins. Got it. Okay. So we go to the appointment. I'm really excited to get in this machine because I want to see if there's going to be one or two, um, which will tie to a story later, by the way, that we should talk about. Yeah. Um, But there was one. So it was kind of, it was a, it was a good human moment. You know, on one level, I'm, um, I'm lamenting the loss of, of one of these embryos that mm-hmm. um, didn't take, but I'm also quite excited uh, that there there is one that, that took. And so we saw the heartbeat. It was exciting. Go to that second appointment. I'm like, oh, God, I've been here before. Please, God, no. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what's going to happen. Uh, heartbeat was still there. Um, that, was a, that was a big kind of moment for us. Heartbeat was still there. And then, you know, and then from there, it was, you know, all the, all the quote, unquote, normal things of a pregnancy. All right, friends, just a quick break in the action to remind you to check out our What is Love Limited series exclusively on Patreon. This content is just for my Patreon community, so I want to make sure that you're getting all the installments when they come out. They'll be out Tuesday and Thursday until I finish the book all about love, new visions by Bell Hooks. So head on over to patreon.com and check it out. And you can also click the link in our Instagram at whiskey and rye pod. Uh, and that'll take you right over there. All right, let's get back to our episode. So you hear that you hear that heartbeat for the second time. Are you like, oh shit, this is happening? Like I'm gonna mm-hmm. be a dad. Like did it kind of? Because you know that moment when you realize you're gonna become a dad is different for all men. You know, and I remember that time I heard the heartbeat um, for the first time, and I was like, oh my god. You know what I mean? So, but you know, for you, you had that moment kind of taken from you. You know. Yeah. And so now this time yeah. you hear it for the second time. You right. know, what was that like? Yeah, and we're. And we're also, so we're a little different because we were seven years into fertility stuff. Wow. So I've been chewing on this stuff and had been, you know, had gone through a lot. So I was, I was still, my, my, was probably pertinent for this podcast. Like, again, I saw my role as being there for Whitney. Mm-hmm. So 
I tried to be just like this steady undergirding foundation for her yeah. that if, if, if she needed to, to cry and then I could be there for her to cry. If she needed to get drunk, then I would be there supporting her on that. If she needed to laugh and see a stupid rom-com movie, I got to watch many rom-com movies uh, in that yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of just saw myself as a, as a, was, it was that trying to be a force for Whitney was way stronger than my uh, comprehension of what I was about to become a father. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do want to point out one thing, though, because you talk about like, oh, I'm being consistent, I'm being consistent. But as I'm hearing you talk about the different things that you're doing for Whitney, you're actually showing an unbelievable amount of flexibility in the ability to actually be this type of person when she needs it and the ability to this type of person when you need it. So I think there's something in there for, for, for guys. Uh, there's a life lesson in there about how, yes, we do want to be these sort of consistent things for our partners, but I think we can appreciate our uh, uniqueness and how we are able to be consistent for our partners by being flexible and by being actually uh, able to be different things for them at different moments. So I, I think I think that was uh, a kind of a cool thing how you you pointed that out there that you were wearing just a lot of different hats in that time, but also you your main focus was I just want to be a consistent person for her because I think most guys probably feel that way. And it's, and it's not, you know, it's not my strength at all on any level. Like I'm Whitney would be the first to say, like, I'm the worst supporter for Whitney when she's sick. (laughs) She'll do the simplest things like ask me for some water and an Advil when she's sick. And like 50% of the time I'll forget because I'm kind of an ass and I feel (laughs) terrible about that. And I'm, so I'm really, that's not like my strong suit um, Mm -hmm. to do that kind of work. Um, But yeah, I mean. For whatever reason, the, the focus on um, the intensity of these infertility times um, did go much better than my typical showing up um, to be nurse to Whitney. Yeah. So were you not like fluffing pillows for her back when she was pregnant and like getting her like iced teas and stuff, or you just like you yeah, know, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I, that all that all worked. Yeah. <laughs> run run out to go get some Taco Bell. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. 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 That's that is uh that to me that's something that I don't necessarily like miss those times, but I I do feel like those uh especially when you get into like the second and third trimester where you know the second trimester is rough you know um and uh and then third trimester you know most of the time the, the belly's just big so you're just like the, the partner's just, like, just get this out of me you know what i mean so right um it is fun to to kind of be loose in those moments and experience those th- yeah. those those things so so you guys are uh you you heard the second heartbeat so so now what now is it like are you starting to buy like the crib you starting to buy stuff like yeah. what's yeah um, all the all yeah, the normal all things the normal things there. are happening yeah yeah yeah, yeah. just that 20 week one that's important right mm-hmm. Where they yep. test 20 weeks is stuff. big yeah yeah yep. so we yep. got through that that was huge um, and then, you know, all the normal things, uh, the one, the, the next challenging thing came, um, while we were at the hospital when he's having the baby, um, she had been in labor for like 37 hours Ooh. and that was intense, obviously. <laughs> um, but the, you know, the, for those of you that have like been in a room when someone's in labor, there's like machines that are all over and dinging. And so a, a unique ding came on a machine and I was like, Oh, whatever, like just another ding. Uh, but within like three seconds, there was like four nurses and a doctor that rushed in 
And so Lee, which is my son's name, who is about to be born, so this story ends up good. So uh, for your listeners, yeah, you know, this one, yeah, this, this is one, a happy this, one. Okay, we're we're, the, we're the in the happy territory now. Right, right. There's there's more sad ones. There's more this, sad but, ones, but this yeah, is a good this one. This is a happy one. Yep. So Lee's head uh, had been in Whitney's whatever you call that when you're exiting mm-hmm. um, her cervix or well, yeah, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. It, she, his head out ready to go. And that little son of a bitch pulled himself out of her cervix and went sideways into her uterus and cut off his umbilical cord. Oh, man. I'm only laughing because so, I know Lee, and that's a very Lee move. <laughs> right, totally. <laughs> so I'm like, this. at this point, I'm scared, Yeah. right? We've gotten this far, and I'm just thinking, oh, my word. They just rushed my wife out of here to go open her stomach and pull out Lee. And I remember a moment by myself in that room, man. Yeah. It was was, uh, bowl season for college football. And I remember there was a football game on and I stood there by myself and uh, yeah, maybe one of the lonelier moments in life. Pretty intense. Yeah. Cause you're helpless. You're just there. Couldn't do anything. You can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be there to hold her hand. You can't be there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Terrible. That's, that's but a hard moment. It was hard. It was really hard. They did then suit me up and I went into the room with her and then, you know, uh, we had a, a, a lovely birth. Uh, the, the C-section went well, actually the two doctors that are doing the C-section were um, talking, <laughs> they were talking about the wine that one of the doctors was going to be drinking because he was going to France the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> So they're like literally opening up my wife talking about this wine they're going to be drinking. Oh man. What a wor- what a what a world I'm I mean, in right now. I mean and then you just think about the timetable too like you know you go from like you're standing alone in this room like watching this meaningless college football bowl game that mm-hmm. some people care about, you know, somewhere. It was completely you know what I mean? meaningless. But completely yeah. meaningless to you. Yeah. Your whole world is is just kind of like on pause and then you go in and these doctors are just they're you know, life is just happening and they're, they're going around it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, that's when you, when you have, uh, someone in your life that, that gives birth, this is, these are just the, the things like when you go through it, moments stand still, you know, moments just don't, they don't, they don't seem like they're going anywhere. And I, I, this has just got to be one of those, one of those moments where it seems like you're standing, you know, when things are just going at 50% speed or they're going at 300 times the speed you know at various moments um it was it was it was it was actually quite funny in the moment and it did bring me a bit of peace because i knew these guys had done this literally sixty thousand times right they just sit there all day and do c-sections you know there's there's two two of them in there there. yeah so they they did a great job lee was born all the the normal things uh, for the first two days uh, lovely experiences. I remember sleeping uh, on, on some crappy couch in the hospital and waking up at like 5 a.m. the next day. And uh, my first morning as a dad, I couldn't wait to wake up and go see my son. That was yeah. that was really thrilling. The people came, visited. That was all lovely. And then I was driving my sister down the hill. She came out from Michigan. I was driving my sister down the hill to go get a blanket that smelled like our dog. Cause I guess that's the thing mm. to give the, give the, um, give, oh, I'm sorry to give a blanket to our dog that smelled like our son. Mm. So our dog could get ready for that. 
And I got a call from Whitney and said, she said, there's a problem. I thought for the love of God, mm. you've got to be fucking kidding <laughs> me. With this. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. So um, a nurse, you know, rose a red flag. Uh, Lee had some marks on his testicles and then he had some sort of kind of funky baby rash. <clears throat> and so I was like, well, whatever, who cares? normal stuff. But, you know, the nurse passed it on to the next nurse, passed it on to the next nurse, and they just kept bucking the system to, in order to be careful, right? better safe than sorry kind of mentality, which I'll crush on in a second. Um, and before I knew it, um, uh, the, uh, the NICU boss from another hospital, because the hospital Lee was in, the NICU boss from another hospital was there on the phone with our doctor saying, we got to take this baby to the NICU. Uh, he might have a disastrous blood disease. And our our doctor's on there. We heard the call. Our doctor's on there going, that baby's fine. You do not need to take that doctor. What? You do not need to take that baby. Um, and uh, there was the, the ambulance, the NICU ambulance came up and uh, took Lee. So at this point, Whitney and I are both exhausted. She just had the C-section two or three days earlier. Right. And uh, we're hopping into a car, which Whitney wasn't supposed to leave the hospital, but she was adamant and driving down to St. Joe's in Burbank. On the way to the hospital, I am losing my mind talking about uh, how this is all about insurance. This is all about them not even wanting to get sued. This is all better safe than sorry kind of BS, passing the buck for litigation, all that kind of stuff. I get into the NICU, just go off on this stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm would the too. NICU boss. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they made me sign a document on the way out when Lee was leaving the room. They made me sign a document that said, "If your insurance doesn't pay for this fifteen thousand dollar ambulance ride that's about three miles down the road, then you have to pay for it." So I'm just so pissed on so many levels. But you know, whatever. Uh, I, I went off on the NICU nurse. Whitney kind of rubbed my back and said, "Okay, that's enough." Uh, we went home. Uh, we had a terrible night's sleep. We went back to the hospital first thing in the morning. They ran all the tests. And lo and behold, Lee was totally fine. They didn't need to do anything at all. Surprise, surprise. surprise, surprise. When, oh, when better safe than sorry is the answer until it messes up so many people's lives on so many levels. You know, the ripples calling my parents saying, hey, by the way, your grandson is in an ambulance rushed to the NICU right now. Mm-hmm. Our friends having to hear that story. They all know what we've already been through, and then they got to deal with this too. Oh my goodness, Just so frustrating. So, first of all, I can't stand our healthcare system in America anyway. Yeah. I think it's so messed up on so many levels. But then throw like the litigation slash insurance slash economics uh, work at that intersection. Mm-hmm. Everyone focusing on better safe than sorry until it wasn't better safe than sorry. They should just left the baby at the hospital ran the test at the hospital mm-hmm. it would have taken an extra three hours it would have been just fine mm-hmm. but yeah that was so that was you know fortunately wow. for the purposes of this podcast that is the end of the potentially scary stories with lee and now we have a three-year-old and uh yeah we we, we feel uh extremely tired and extremely grateful yeah for this this little three-year-old that runs around our house Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, that is uh that's an unbelievable process. And and so we left a little, we left a few, um, we left a few things along the way that we wanted to pick up. There were a couple of stories that you mentioned that you wanted to, to share. So I don't know where, uh, where you want to start. Um, but, uh, um, 
I'm trying to remember which uh, which which would be a good a good one to dovetail to. Um, there was one about um, about the two embryos. I think that was the first one that she wanted to come back mm-hmm. to the story about the two. Um, so yeah, I would love to to hear to hear that story about the two now that we uh, we know that's good. And then uh, and then you know I I will move into you know where you are now. But um, I would love to just hear a little bit more of the the details as to you know kind of getting you guys here. So the story of the two embryos. Uh, let's pick it up there. What's uh, what what <laughs> share that one with us? Well, I mean. Uh... Lee is uh, Lee is a lot of human. He's got unending energy. He's got, un- I mean, just I was joking with Ryan while we were doing the prep on this call. He was dragging our dog's food <laughs> bin over to the freezer so we can climb up onto the fridge, into the freezer to grab his ice cream, then jump off from up top, right? I mean, th- this our neighbors uh, say, why do you not keep a helmet on that kid all, all the time? <laughs> Right. True. Yeah. He's, he, I know, I know a lot of babies can be a lot. Um, Lee is truly on the front edge of the bell curve of a lot. So we joke about that now at this point, uh, this is a little X rated apologies <laughs> to your listeners, but it's been helpful for us. Uh, we joke that we put two embryos in and stinking Lee ate his brother and the, took in his brother so he's actually two humans in one functioning on that sort of energy yeah i could totally see that yeah he just absorbed the other one yeah yeah oh that's so funny yeah i mean again you know because you don't know um all of the 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 things that go and i mean and you just you you talk about how you know there's studies where you know the things that happen, the stress, the trauma of the process having having somewhat of an effect on on the embryo. In your case, I mean, he's just came out bulletproof. You know, he's uh mm-hmm. you know, he's he's coming out just uh really really unique, very special. Very special, yeah. really, really unique. Um well that's really that's really great. I love that story. Um uh, so where where have you you know, you had some, we, we got Lee, Lee is, you know, very happy. Um, you're excited. Uh, you all decided, you know, you've got, uh, how many embryos left now? Did you, you put two in and there were eight healthy ones. So you got six left, six left, six left. And, and when you do in vitro, um, for those of you that are considering it, uh, the hard work really is quite accomplished. Uh, at least on the science end, once you pull those eggs out and you you fertilize those embryos. Yeah, so I was so, I was I was wondering like, do they recommend like if you have one successful one, you know, is it likely you'll be successful again? You know, what what are some of the conversations like that like? Yeah, so they grade the embryos. Um, okay. And all the six that we have are all A, so they're all good embryos. Um, and you know, the the best news for me as a husband that wants to support Whitney and feels concerned for her body for what it's been through um it's really nice because whenever whitney wants to try and have a baby now just go tell the doctor set up an appointment do a month of these shots and get everything prepared and then go in drop in the drop in the baby yeah so that 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 is a really lovely privilege and luxury uh, that we experience at this point um so yeah we so we did it again um when do we do it um, we did it over a year ago again, um, put in one little girl embryo. Um, when he got pregnant, we were very excited. We went and saw the heartbeat. 
was so lovely, very excited. We're going to have a little girl. Uh, went back two weeks later. Our doctor was gone. We saw one of the other doctors who, by the way, we saw earlier and had the slick back, disgusting L.A. kind of oh, posture. No. Yeah. Uh, he comes in, um, looks on the on the screen. He goes, oh, my gosh, congrats. You're having twins. I said, what? No, 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 no twins. We just put in one embryo. He said, well, that embryo split. There's definitely two. We said, no, our doctor, we already saw there's one. He said, well, the doctor missed it. There's two babies in here. So that was existentially thrilling for the wow. moment. But then, Ryan, that terrible thing happened again. We're on the screen, and he starts looking. And uh, looking and looking, and no heartbeat on the first one. And then no heartbeat on the second one either. So, yeah, 10 weeks in on our twin girls, uh, we, we ended up losing them both. So, uh. you know... It was just, yeah, it was gut-wrenching, terrible. Uh, I remember, I have some distinct moments of you, certainly on, on this one, you know, wanting to maintain a foundation for Whitney, but just losing my mind in yeah. my backyard. Yeah. Um, just losing my mind uh, on that stuff. Um, and uh, it took us uh, quite a while to recover from those. There's actually, I'm looking at a, a peach tree in my backyard right now. Mm. Um, our friends did a little ritual for us and had, a, again, a little funeral they uh they got a, a a peach tree and then yeah we all like poured water into it and mm. it was lovely and planted it together yeah. so yeah that little tree up there <laughs> yeah um represents our, our little girls yeah um and you know now to this point so that was that, that miscarriage was a year ago where we lost those two and whitney and i are looking at each other now for the first time saying well is that it mm-hmm. are we done yeah this could be it um, we, we could be a, a one child family. And for that, we would be exceptionally grateful um, yeah. that we're a one child family. Um, but now Whitney has uh, entered into an executive master's program at USC in leadership. And she's really excited about that and focusing on her career where, you know, for the last now 10 years, 11 years. Um, so Whitney's now thinking, yeah, I'm going to work on scaling my career. I'm not sure what we're going to do. And uh, we're back at a discernment moment of, do we want to do this again? Potentially put ourselves through hell again? Right. Or are we just, you know, are we happy uh, with the one kid? Uh, I I, I wouldn't say this publicly except I'm doing it on a public podcast. (laughs) But there is a side of me that's like, all right, well, I'm I'm an old man. Man, I'm 40. Mm. Whitney's 38. Um, If we were to have another kid potentially in a year and a half now, Maybe yeah. two years. I'm gonna be 42. Uh, that kid's graduating high school. I'm 60. Um, and but I'm an old man at that point. I'm already functioning like I play cribbage with my friends. Like <laughs> I am an old soul, right? Right, right, right. Uh, so uh, we're we're really looking at each other, thinking, is this gonna be it? And kind of on, on one level, I think you know, to be done in 15 years, uh, and to um, to be able to. Uh, move forward uh, pending you know legal into college all that kind of stuff um, feels feels okay for the first time it, it feels just fine yeah. uh, but again that foundation will be uh, whatever Whitney wants and I don't mean to say that tritely I really do mean that yeah if Whitney wants to do it again let's go let's do it on there yeah uh, if she wants to not do it then that sounds great I'm, I'm with you on that too yeah well i think um anybody who's listened to this show listened to you talk for 40 minutes knows that you're 
if they if they don't think that you mean that, then there's something wrong with them because you have shown, I think, with your words, but more specifically with your actions, that you are supporting her no matter what she decides. So I think that goes without saying. But I, I love that you all have almost, in a way, come full circle to when you had that first conversation of, you know, do we even want to be parents? And what does yeah. that even look like? And now it's like, well, we are parents and we're parents to Lee. We have this one child who is, you know, all of the things, uh, smart, you know, crazy. Two, ki- two, two kids and one. Two kids and one. Yeah. Son of a gun. He absorbed his brother uh, <laughs> and now has like brother energy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, now you're kind of deciding again, like, okay, so these are the parents. So what, what kind of parents do we want to be now? You know, and what, what, what do we want to be, you know, moving forward? You might investigate in the future, which you've already done in your podcast. Um, but like, yeah, how, how did this stuff like impact Whitney and I's marriage over the course of time? Yeah. How are we different now than we were 16 years ago? Yeah. Um, and, and we, and we are certainly different and it's not all, you know, it's not all happy, clappy roses. Right. That stuff. Right. Um, we, we've, we've seen some shit now. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we've experienced some shit together. We've been through it together um, on multiple levels, not just the infertility level. Um, and, uh, and I just, I did, I did just post, and I, I hate to tie a red ribbon on this, um, but I did just post uh, that we just had our anniversary, our 16th anniversary. And oh, I've, I've never been more grateful. Yeah, thanks. And it's stuff like this, like seeing Whitney just be an absolute baller in the midst of walking into St. Joseph's Hospital's NICU, and I'm falling apart, ready to rip off anyone's head going off on my thing and to see her strong and steady from moment one, when they called the NICU mm-hmm. all the way through bringing Lee home from the NICU, seeing her do that, that is amazing. Yeah. Really. I didn't know she had that in her and to see her as biology or preparation or whatever it was, um, seeing that uh, does make me now on our 16th anniversary, uh, all the more grateful for what, we're, what we have and what we're trying to do in life together. That's good, man, because, you know, this this process can really break a lot of people and men can feel um, inadequate, I'm sure, through this process. They can feel frustrated and a lot of times um, those emotions just lead to not being able to be supportive and uh, not being able to be there for their partner. And, um, you know, that's it, it can happen to anyone, you know, and so I think... Um, really uh, to 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 bring up uh, that question that you and your friend kind of asked each other you know who do you want to be during this time um or who do you want to be at the end of this time um is is really uh, a a great piece of advice to hang on to um but in addition to that if you had to give one piece of advice to a couple who is you know maybe they're they're like we want to do this, but they're, we're just quite not sure. Um, not to convince someone per se, but if you had to just give someone one piece of advice uh, from someone who's been through that, what do you think that piece of advice would be? That's a good question. Um, I suppose it's just, there's just not like a, there's not like an industrial protocol, an equation for how you're supposed to do this. So, uh, be aware of the preconceived notions uh, on birth and fertility that you come from. Um, be aware of the preconceived notions uh, where you currently find yourself in your social location. And don't just submit to those preconceived notions, but really work through it. Um, 
through talking with friends, through talking with mentors, through talking with colleagues, whatever you see fit for you. If you're a praying person, pray about it. If uh, you're a person uh, that needs to get away and be by yourself for a week and go do that. This is a huge decision and the equations uh, don't work. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's more post-industrial than that. So be post-industrial about it and discern it uh, with the people you trust most and then uh, be real about where that conversation lands and then move forward with courage, uh, whatever way you want to go. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, uh, I appreciate this. I appreciate you sharing your vulnerability in this, you know? Um, and, uh, I appreciate you sharing your side of the story and, uh, all, all the stories, you know, the good ones, uh, the funny ones, the ones that made us laugh, but then also the ones that, that hit you right here. You know, um, I appreciate you sharing those as well. I appreciate you, um, having the strength to, to relive those moments and share some of those moments with us. Um, because again, um, modeling that strength for, uh, people, you know, you mentioned there are people that were there for you that, that believe when you couldn't believe that were strong when you couldn't be strong. Um, what you've been able to show, you know, through this conversation, uh, I hope will, will be that strength for another person. And, um, are you taking me out to see the peach tree? Oh, I thought you were taking me to see. I'm, you're getting away from the garbage truck. <laughs> oh, okay, um, Nick is outside for our listeners. That's why uh, I can see him and you can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for our listeners. You can't see Nick. Um, and I always forget how tall you are. Uh, you know, when I when I see you stand up, because I, I just forget you're a giant human being, uh, which makes sense. You have such a big heart. Uh, so uh, so it would make sense. But but yeah, I uh, I appreciate you modeling the the strength by just uh, stepping into these conversations and reliving them um and uh and and i just uh whatever you all wherever you all land you know wherever you decide um you know i just uh, i'm always uh gonna be rooting for you all uh and and i'm a praying person so i'm gonna be praying for you guys um and just uh and just hoping hoping the best for you always yeah thanks ryan this uh there's no shortage of podcast and webinar asks at this moment in life and I begrudgingly uh, move into some of them, say no to many of them. And when you emailed about this, I was like, oh, yeah, let's do this. So I haven't had a chance to get this out publicly beyond the church that I was a part of. Uh, I shared this stuff publicly. But besides that, I haven't gone public with this. So I appreciate the space, the invitation to do this publicly. I feel like I just got done with therapy. (laughs) Thank you for that. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I I appreciate your listeners willing to give us space and time. Uh, I can promise that uh, that there's going to be people who, who will hear this and uh, and I'm excited to hear from them and hear what the response is. So um, I'm going to put some links to your personal um, information in there. You know, if people can just use your story as a model for the fact that life is real and good things happen, uh, but then those good things are some sad things. So thanks for sharing that. We'll put in, put those links in there. Um, let's have another conversation though. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about some whiskey. We didn't really get to talk about our love for, for whiskey, but uh, uh, you know, you and I have uh, have much to talk about. So I'd love to have you come on the show again, man. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, anytime. Thanks, Ryan. All right, friends, there you have it. Another lovely conversation with a lovely human being. Thank you so much to my buddy Nick for uh, just opening up. And, you know, I heard some of those stories for the first time during our interview. So uh, it was actually kind of hard for me to stay focused and try to pay attention because I was just 
really wanting to be there with my friend during he as he was sharing some of these really um important details of some really difficult things that he went through so uh hopefully i did my best but um again just want to say thank you to nick for for being so open and vulnerable this story will definitely impact someone's life in a positive manner and uh whoever's listening who needed to hear this um, i'm just glad you found us so thanks for being a part of this community make sure that you're following along we've got a great exclusive patreon only series called what is love on my patreon uh, patreon.com slash ryan charles la uh this is all free content and uh hopefully it will just be a way for us to get to know each other a little bit better as i am going on my own exploration uh uncovering what love is and honestly how i can really just be a more loving person dad husband father human all of the above so thanks so much for being a part of this community if you've been following along regularly super happy to have you here five-star reviews really help us out Um, interacting with us on social media really helps us out so however you feel comfortable interacting with us please reach out to us let us know uh, how you're interacting with this material how it's impacting your life and hopefully it's changing uh, the way you think about things so let's have the deep west take us out thank you so much for tuning into this episode i raise my glass to you cheers